All right. Okay. Um, Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning. How's it going? <laughs> good. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about who you are and who your book and what your book is? Because I really enjoyed your book. Hey, uh, thank you. And likewise, yeah. Um, I, uh, if you're just uh, if you're just tuning in, I'm uh, I'm Robert J. Peterson, and uh, I run uh, the sci-fi and uh, genre fiction imprint, California Cold Blood Books. Uh, I am the, the genre imprint for Rare Bird books, uh, for all you Rare Bird uh, fans out there. Um, and my latest release, um, uh, for me specifically, uh, came out last summer. Uh, it is called Omega Ball, and it's a young adult sci-fi thriller. Awesome. It's yeah. really fun. Can I tell Thank you how much I Thank love the cover of it? Yeah, please, like, please do, yeah. It's like, well, it's like a 70s movie like a 70 like tron or something i don't know it just really great spoke to my <laughs> childhood somehow <laughs> uh that was definitely the idea with the cover i was going for, for uh, uh i specifically modeled it on the uh the, the box art and design for old atari 2600 games um oh awesome. and then uh yeah, yeah and it imported in the uh the sort of glam you know, metallic look for the title from old Transformers packaging and all those old, I was trying to ping as many like early 80s kid pleasure centers as I could. Right. Well, you succeeded. Did you, you did the cover yourself? I think I read. Uh, I did. Yeah. Yep. I am. Uh, I handle most of the design stuff for, uh, for CCB, including my own books. Cool. Fun. Yeah. That's fun. You're a jack of all trades. I'm, I'm a jack of all trades. Yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, can I just say how much uh, I, I really enjoyed and admired your book? I could, uh, I could go on uh, at, at length about it, but um, I, I did have a specific writerly question here, if that's, uh, if, that's, if that's okay for this podcast for us to talk about, like, nerd writer stuff. About right? writing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Should I say, um, I say something about uh, it so people know what it is? Oh, please, please, yeah. Uh, just uh, So I wrote a book called Painless that's coming out in February, um, 2017, um, about a young guy, working class kid in Boston who has a condition where he can't feel pain. And so it's basically uh, a story of how he is shut off from the world and how he falls in love for the first time, basically. So also young adult. Um, I think there's some interesting parallels <laughs> between the two books, which we can get into, but... Um, but that that's uh, that's my book. Uh, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was, uh, uh, I guess, like you mentioned, uh, uh, some parallels. Like I guess the uh, like the different first person narrator. That's kind of the clearest line to draw, you know, between the two. Um, right. And uh, I, which is I which is a loved, which is a YA yeah. thing, a pretty pretty common YA thing. But but did you notice that yeah. you wrote a female protagonist and I wrote a male one? I thought that was interesting. I thought that was so interesting. I noticed that too. Yeah, really well done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm curious if you have a teenage girl inside of you because I always say that I'm, you know, part part teenage boy somewhere in there because uh, I've, I've written a couple things, screenplays and things that are about teenage boys and girls as well. But for some reason, yeah. I also find the boys really, really, compa- it's a compelling age for me, either, either you know, yeah. gender. Um, there's a lot going on there at that age. But so do you have a teenage girl uh, inside of you somewhere? Uh, that is a really good question. Um, I will say 
that it uh the headspace that uh that Laurie, the main character in Omega Ball, that she occupies was a was largely a very easy headspace for me to access as a writer. Um, I don't know if I have a teenage girl inside of me, but I certainly have a <laughs> lonely, insecure teenager who, who uh-huh. you know, was afraid I would, I would never have a girlfriend or, in Lori's case, a boyfriend and all, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, don't all of we those all things, have one of those? <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. I, it, it's funny, during the initial stages with Omega Ball, I kind of had to reaccess that part of my brain. It, it felt a little bit like the, um, the kids in the Stephen, in the Stephen King novel, uh, It's. When they mm-hmm, go back mm-hmm. to, when they go back to their hometown, and they're like, "Oh, I don't remember anything," and then it would just come back to them really painfully. And there was a little bit of that unearthing, but for, but by and large, it was close at hand. So, um, right. Uh, I love what the was, voice. What of was Quinn the, the oh, origin? Yeah. Story. Do you want to talk about the origin story where it came from? Sure. Uh, of, of Omega Ball? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It, uh, I'm it, curious because yeah. it could have come sure. from a lot of places. I'm interested. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, uh, the um, the sci-fi nerd stuff, like the virtual reality, that came from a- any number of uh, of nerdy sources. Uh, specifically, the one image that, it, that 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 part of it came from was uh, just the movie RoboCop. Uh, there was a uh-huh. there was a scene in RoboCop that I, uh, I I essentially wanted to rewrite in a book of my own, and, and it it, it uh, and the rest came from there. But the um, uh, the actual place that Omega Ball came from, the character stuff that it came from, uh, it mm-hmm. uh, it is largely based on a buddy of mine from uh, from college. Uh, this woman named uh, Valerie McRae, who I always say every time I say her name, I hope I sound like Jimmy Olsen talking about Superman. She's just one of the coolest <laughs> dang people I, I've I've ever known. She is so she's so rad, and we um uh, she and I did a play together back in the day, and uh, mm-hmm. uh and. At the end of the play, at the cast party for it, I met Valerie's identical twin sister. And uh-huh. I didn't know that this person existed, uh, much less that Valerie had a, a, a sister or a twin or anything like that. As happens, Valerie uh, was born with cerebral palsy, and her sister is able-bodied. And I, uh, I always say that I felt a variety of things when I, when I met this person. Uh, none of them was pity, but I felt uh, some just like different complicated feelings, and I didn't know what, what I was feeling, so I... I, I, I tried to write a book about it. Um, and uh, there's a longer story about just like my research into, into folks who, are, who have disabilities and talking with Tallery and another buddy of mine named Tristan about that, but I'll, I'll hit pause for now. So that is, that is roughly where the idea uh-huh. came from. Interesting. I always feel like sometimes you don't know it at the time, but there's always something you're grappling with in your life that is the reason you write the thing at that time, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like there's there's something gripping you that that needs to get worked out. I always feel like. Yeah. Um, and you know, in my case, it was my dad had died, um, or was very sick mm. and had died around the time I originally wrote. This was a a long gestating project. It was a screenplay before it was a book, yeah. and it was had diff- totally mm. different forms and all this. But so during the original inception of it, it was was when my dad was dying, and so. It came from that. It came from wishing there was a way to be like, I'm just going to turn off that feeling because that's a horrible feeling. And yeah, wishing yeah. that there was a way to do that and realizing that if you do that, then, of course, there's a million other things you don't get to feel either. So, And I read a story around the same time about, do you remember Parade Magazine? I don't even know if they still have it. It's that like sort of red I, I, magazine that comes with the Sunday paper. <laughs> like I, I sure do remember it. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so it was like some stupid <laughs> little paragraph article, human interest thing about a little boy, like a toddler who had this condition, which was a real thing. And his parents were out of their minds because they're trying to control this child who would just as soon jump yeah. off the roof as, you know, sit on the stove as, you know, anything and couldn't explain yeah. to him why that was a bad idea. There was no way to reason with, with him. And, um, and I just started thinking, what is that kid going to be like when he grows up, if he grows up? And what yeah. does that do to you in terms of not understanding other people's experience in the world? You know, you don't get what it means to be a person in the world in the same way. You don't have an empathy, physical empathy for other people. And then yeah. suddenly that's this giant metaphor for, like, you know, your emotional life and how you shut that down when something terrible happens sometimes. And, um that was another parallel with yours as well, where both of the main characters in some way, there's like an unspoken, well, and yours a little bit more spoken blame for the death of their mother. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so they become the scapegoat in their family, whether anybody says it or not. Um, yeah. I thought that was an interest, interesting as well. So we both sort of had, had that going on. Uh, that is really well said, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. And then they both also have these crazy interior universes that they go back and forth too. Did we write the same uh, oh, yeah. book? I think we wrote the same book. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, like that occurred to me too. And it was, and and I loved how, uh, in in your case, uh, it was working on this metaphorical level, and in my case, it was literalized in the sci-fi narrative. And I thought that was cool. And um, uh, I, I did want to ask you about uh, about Caitlin, about that perspective, uh, that POV mm-hmm. in your book. And um, the the clearest answer that jumped out at me to this question that I have in mind uh, is um, uh, what what made you decide to uh, place her in, in third person as opposed to first? And the first thing that sprang to mind was, oh, she's kind of the the most grown up in the book. But I, I was like, ah, is that it? And I just I would love to hear you talk about that. Just uh, what made you decide yeah. on that first? Well, just POV in general was was interesting because coming from screenplays. You don't think about it the yeah. same way, right? You think about, well, whose story is it, but you don't think about how, to, how am I telling it first person, third person. So that was really a new brain bender for me when I, when I took this on. And so why I tried it in a lot of different ways. I wrote, I think I, there was one chapter that I wrote, you know, four or five different ways, different POVs, close, you know, third person, first person, third person, close, all this stuff. And, and I tried it, and, and it just felt like, one, it, was, it certainly hit story he's the main character so he's first person and it felt and he is such he's a person who doesn't express himself well to other people he's not a he's not a communicator so to know what's really going on with him and to get him i think we have to be first person because we need to know what is what's really happening in the in his brain and what he thinks um so he was a he was a no-brainer as it were um and then so caitlin um I tried her in first person as well, alternating. And even though that I find that sometimes a little confusing, but but it it just felt too equal to him that way. And she wasn't. She's a, she's a she's an important point of view in the story because she did, did kind of function as his mother, substitute mother. But it just felt I don't know how to say it because it just felt right for her to be third and we did we did discuss that yeah. a lot in the, in the edit process and all but it, if it was first it was too equal and, and it certainly wasn't a totally 50 50 story it's really 
right. 70% him, you know, 75% him. So yeah. it just, I don't know, it evolved that way. I think I guess it's the only answer. There wasn't, it's not specifically a logical thing, but it, it didn't feel right for her to be first person. I don't know. Got it. I, I, I envied you jumping around because, because you got to be in so many people's heads, which is so fun, I think, to write. Um, and I, and I was tempted by that, but there, I didn't have, it didn't have the reason to, to do it that you did in yours. Um, so, so I ended up with where, where I did. And I had a few, you know, a few chapters that were first person with, um, with the, you know, the girl that he ends up being attached to, to Reese. Um, and, and again, it felt important that we really be in her head, um, because yeah. they are they're the the love interest. So I don't know. It just made it made a certain story sense to me that I I'm now completely inarticulate about explaining, but felt oh not at all yeah not felt all. like the right balance somehow. Uh, that that totally makes sense to me. That's a, uh, that sounds great. And yeah, to be sure, um, it was it was in the story, and that and that and, and that was definitely the right call. Um, I, it it really tracked for me. I of what it's worth. Um, good, good. Yeah, I ended up yeah, putting yeah. The, you know, um, putting the names at the beginnings of the chapters similar to you did as you did because I didn't want anybody getting confused. I didn't think it was confusing for a little while. <laughs> I think that really helps people get oriented. You know, I I completely agree. I, I am you know like I'm all about those kinds of signposts. I just want to like when somebody reads one of my books, I just want to make sure that I like it is like. I don't want it to be like they're reading Dubliners or something like that. I want it to, which of course right. the book is great, but like I just want it to be generally a pleasant process where they're not like scratching their heads the entire time and trying to decipher what I put on the page. So, um, yeah, right. I, 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 I get it. I get it. <laughs> when, it, when, it, when a book takes so much longer to do, to read than so many other things people could be doing, you need to keep them, <laughs> keep them in there. Agreed. Agreed. Um, uh, well, I just briefly, you, uh, you mentioned how uh, I, I had fun writing this out in first person. I, I can tell you that it was certainly fun at times, but first person is not my default setting as a writer. Um, uh-huh. My default setting is pretty much third person limited. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I got sort of into the development process for this, and I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to write this first person. It's going to have to be present tense. <laughs> All of those things which terrified me, and I read other YA books, and I was like, maybe there'll be another one in third person limited. Nope. They're basically all, I mean, not all of them, but, you know, by and large, it's, it's a, especially these days, it is a first-person, present-tense kind of game. Uh, and I was like, oh, boy, I guess i got to figure this out. So um, it was it was a huge challenge for me. And reading your book, uh, you just made it, you made it look effortless. Uh, and uh, I know it was mostly Quinn, but those other chapters with the other women uh, in his life were, uh, were so beautifully done. So I, uh, I was Thanks. definitely shaking my head in admiration the whole time, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's once you voice it's it's easier in a way. I don't know. You yeah. I feel like you can get away with more in first somehow. I don't know. If you know the logic of the person, then they can kind of go anywhere in first. You know what I mean? Uh, agreed. Uh, yeah, it's very well said. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I want and to there's talk about a your physical. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, please, please. I was gonna say I want to talk uh, about the was... physical world a little bit. Yeah. Please. Because it's crazy imaginative, and you must have a very visual, spatial, dreamlike imagination. Like Thanks. going going into the world of the dark net, 
which you have to describe and 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 it's very it's super visual in describing all the pieces of it and how how you go from one place to another and what it feels like and what it looks like and it was just super imaginative and I just I don't know is that is that what it's like to be in your brain like <laughs> it was really specific <laughs> it was interesting um when you talk about a little bit about how that evolved sure um uh Thanks so much for the kind words. I mean, that, that I mean, a great deal coming from you because I felt the same way about uh, about uh, about your book. Um, yeah, I am. Um, you know, I mean, I guess uh, like you and I, you know, probably grew up reading a lot of the same kind of nerd stuff and comic books and movies and uh, and stuff like that. And I um I just when I'm writing, especially stuff like this, like I really. I really try to pack as much uh, invention as I can into every on every page, every paragraph. Um, and uh, there are so many great uh, stories about uh, about virtual worlds and virtual realities. Uh, obviously, The Matrix, certainly Ready Player One is a big one that's popular these days. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, I wanted to contribute something to to that conversation, as it were. Um, and uh, while, while also bringing in, I, I had had this idea of people acting as basically servers for this virtual reality. I, I've been knocking that idea around for a while. You know, the Chiron. I like that. Uh, yeah, I like that plug, a lot, they how they meet each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks. That, that, was, um, that was one of those ideas. That, it, it took a while to, like, wrangle down in fighting shape because for a while they were, like, these other characters who are their Chirons. And then, like, the book didn't kind of click into place until I, was, until I made a call to make Driscoll, you know, the kind of sad sack he's got a crush on her to make, I was like, oh, he should yeah. be a Chiron. Of course he should. I yeah, love tell that. me about yeah. it. I mean, yeah, thanks. It it took me a long time to figure it out. Let me tell you. But um, so yeah, that's just <laughs> a brief, a brief. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when you arrive at solutions like that, I remember a buddy of mine, uh, uh, another writer, when I told him an answer to a problem like this, he was like, "Oh man, that was looking you in the face the whole time." And sometimes it, it feels right. like that, but it it, just, it takes a while to get there. So, um, yeah. Uh, I uh, uh, I would love to hear you talk about the. Um, uh, the the imaginative world of uh, of Quinn's these drawings that came to life around him. I mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the review that I wrote, but I, I like it. It reminded me of the video uh, "Take on Me" by Aha. I remember that where they <laughs> they go into a comic book. Uh, I I was like uh-huh. that that's how I imagined it. I imagined it like that, but I was like, oh, I, I saw Edward Corey. I saw the scary <laughs> stories to tell in the dark. I was just wondering if you had any specific uh, inspirations for that part of the world. Um. Uh, inspiration visually, yes, um, in terms of particular artists, and, and I and and because this was conceived as a screenplay or film first, um, I was right. thinking really visually, and so um, the painter Francis Bacon um, is one of my ah. favorite painters, and is very is very you know, painterly and impressionistic, and um, that, and then also the artwork that Dave McCain did for Sandman. Um, mm. Covers of, of San, the Sandman. I lo- always loved those. They had sort of a collagey feel to them. Um, yeah. And then there's a painter, a uh, local painter, um, contemporary painter named Josh Hagler, who I know, mm. who I've watched evolve from an illustrator and a graphic novelist into a fine art painter. And his work also is in my ma- mind as sort of what that artwork looks like. Um, so. Uh, it's kind of a combination of those things, and it's his artwork just also had to function again because he's not a communicative human. That's right. his inner life, 
And so yeah. he needed a place to put all those feelings and to put all that stuff, and it goes into the into that world. And so when he's injured, it's not really a spoiler alert, I guess, when he's injured and he can't draw anymore, all that stuff has to go somewhere, you know, and that's yeah. when it all starts kind of coming loose and coming into his real life, and he can't control yeah. it anymore. And, and so... Um, it's, I mean, it's an art world, but then it becomes, it's, you know, it's, it's part of him, um, I guess. I don't know if I'm answering your question quite, but. Uh, absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just his, it's, it's, he, he has those feelings, even though he's trying not to have those feelings, and that's where the feelings yeah. go, and then when he can't, when he can't draw, then they come out to get him, you know, um, which I've seen, you know. It's like it's so. I'm so fascinated by the ways that physical, you physically manifest feelings. Um, when yep. I was a kid, when I was a kid, like I had this, you know, in September, three years in a row, I had this stomach pain, and my they took me to the doctor. They thought it was my appendix, and by the third time, we were like, oh, let's notice that this is the week that school is starting, and it wasn't oh. my appendix. It was just anxiety about school. And it yeah. was like, oh, yeah. we, we started to notice, oh, yeah, look, school's starting. It's that week again. So it's like you just manifest anxiety and whatever in your body, like physically. And yeah. I'm fascinated by that, the way that that happens. Uh, it, very well said. And it was so, it was just so beautifully done. Yeah. Um, a, uh, a literary device, or uh, I guess like you see it on TV and stuff too, uh, that I, I particularly like is the depiction of uh, head spaces. Uh, just when, when someone's mind, when their mental state manifests, uh, like you said, in their body, but also in the world around them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to mention something from Breaking Bad, and I'm obviously terrified of spoilers. Have you seen Breaking Bad, or can I talk about <laughs> it? Or? I, think, I think the statute of limitations, it's okay, you're allowed. Okay. Well, uh, I... I'm not going to drop any big ones, but there is a character in Breaking Bad uh, who, over the course of the show, he moves from place to place. He lives in a few different homes, uh, and there is one home in particular where he lives, and very much the way that he, he keeps his home, it is a reflection of his, of his mind, and uh, right. uh, it happens a lot. And Mad Men, like Mad Men, like that show is so, it basically almost takes place in a dream. Every time they move around the building where Sterling right. Cooper and Draper Price is, there's this dream logic to it, and, and Don will be like, I'm going down to the archives to find something, and it's basically him going into his brain. I mean, seriously, like I could, I could go on <laughs> yeah. and play. Uh, but the moral of the story is that um, uh, I really, uh, I really sense that kind of storytelling uh, in these drawings around uh, around Quinn, like his his own, uh, like you said, this very active internal life that he had uh, was just bleeding into the world around him, and it was just so it was just so beautifully done. Um, I uh, uh, I also love to hear you talk about making the transition from. Uh, not that you've stopped doing one and only uh, and are only doing the other, but just going from screenwriting to novel writing. Because uh, I have done a wee bit of, of screen of screenwriting, and I, I basically uh-huh. feel like a rank amateur in that in that arena. It's it's, uh, it's like it feels more like poetry and haiku to me, where it's like, oh, I've only got like thirty thousand words for this whole darn thing. Uh, I would love to hear yeah. you uh, talk uh, a bit about that. Yeah, uh, going the other way. Yeah, it's um, hmm. trying to make things more internal, right? I mean, screenplay is about yeah. structure, and it's about the bare minimum of what you need to convey the story and right. the characters. And it's through action, not through description for the most part and, and all that. And so then when you go to novel, it's internal, a lot of it. Um, 
and the freedom to go off on a tangent if you want to go off on a tangent. I mean, not that you, you should wander all over the place, but you have that freedom. Um, right. It was a little intimidating. It was a little feeling of, what? I can do anything? What? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then again, I was afraid it wasn't going to be long enough because it was really like, I mean, it, YA can, can, can be shorter than a traditional, I guess, novel is considered um, a bit longer, but you know, it's not a, it's not a super long book. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. I expanded what I felt needed to be expanded, but it was, it was a feeling of like, what? I can just run and go. And <laughs> it was a funny, it was a funny feeling. And, and the POV thing also got used to taking some getting used to, um, yeah. it was really that it was, the, it was the POV and it was the ability to, um, expand on internal stuff. So I would yeah. imagine going the other way for you, you feel really constrained going to going to screenplay. But I think starting with it, then you just feel um, kind of unmoored when you go off into novel land. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I'd like to do it again, but I'd like to be able to do both. Are you... Are uh, you uh... I, I, I meant, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh, please uh, go ahead. I was just I was just saying I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was I was wondering if you're if you're planning any other YA or your or your is that your your homeland or are you also interested in in sort of other genres? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am. Um, uh, my my other novel, my debut novel, is um, uh, I it's such a goofball novel but it's definitely it would be rated r if it were a movie so it's certainly and it's also just about uh-huh. um about a grown-up theme so i would say that's like a grown-up book but yeah my um uh my other books uh are you know like only one of them i've written oh god when i say this number i i kind of uh i've written like maybe a dozen half a dozen other books and uh, only one of those other books is uh is ya um uh-huh. but uh-huh. uh it like on, on my kind of to-do list, the hopper of, of next ideas I'm going to do. There's there's an epic fantasy series that I'm uh, I've been noodling around on for almost a decade by this point, uh, and it'll it'll have a young woman at the uh, in, in in the lead role. But yeah, um, I uh, there's yeah yeah there's there's a lot I like about YA, but it's um, uh, pivoting back to what I said about Omega Ball about how I how I felt like one of the people from it's unearthing these old feelings that I had as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. One of the challenges for me is that uh, I, I joke about this sometimes. Is that I'm a I'm a much happier and healthier person now, pushing 40, than I was in like my early 20s, and I was like a really just sullen, pissed off jerk. Uh, mm-hmm. But being it being in that headspace back in the day, it was much easier to access that kind of that more raw, exposed nerve kind of place that you, that you need to be in to, to write YA, uh, at least for me. Um, mm-hmm. So that's. Uh, that that raises some challenges for me getting back into that into that arena. So anyway, uh, how, how about you? What's uh, what's what's on what's on the docket for you? Um, I've I've done a, a couple of YA things, and I I when I was first writing screenplays, I actually wrote like three YA things in a row, and I feel like I got it out of my system a little bit, and then I started moving more into more adult content. Um, yeah. But I love I still have such a soft spot for that that age there's something i mean it's really it's always about who are you it's people figuring yeah, out who yeah. they are which is which is 
hard and painful to be living through. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not living through it again. Um, but yeah, it's just so elemental. It's like, it's like, who are you going to be in the world? Like what choices are you going to make now that you have a little more freedom and you're almost an adult and all these things and you're ha- probably having first relationships and all these things. It's like, yeah. just so, you know, coming of age is just, is, is just, you know, I don't know. I have a real, I have a real um, love for it. It's just really people wear their hearts on their sleeves because they don't know any better at that age, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's painful, I think, sometimes to watch it from the outside or to, to to read it. But it's, I mean, everybody relates to it because everybody has been that age or is that age, you know. Yeah. Um, so I hope you know it connects to <laughs> to both people that age and to and to older people. I know there's a lot of older people that that you know adults who read YA. Um, so I think there is on some level a nostalgic thing, like reading about that age, and as well as hopefully connecting to people who are that age. But, I don't know. That, that is very head. well said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> have you? I mean, have you uh, like? Have yeah. you connected much with readers of your of your book? And and are they? Do they tend to be teenagers or do they tend to be older? Um, well, for my first book, it was definitely um, mostly grown-ups. Uh, that there's another project I'm working on uh, related to my first book. That's a. Uh, That'll definitely be like more of a grown-up thing. Um, as for as for Omega Ball, um, the reader uh, the readers that I've connected to so far have also been uh, have also been mostly mostly grown-ups. I've been reaching out to a lot of folks uh, um, uh, who either who are who are disabled or who use wheelchairs or run blogs uh, along those lines, trying mm-hmm. to just like get you know get it uh, uh, into their hands and whatnot. So, sure. but yeah, I guess I guess mostly grown-ups. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I have to say, because it's my first book, and I'm really looking forward. It's kind of the thing I'm looking forward to the most, in a way, is like actually hearing from people who read it. I mean, it sounds goofy, but like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, because it just dates for so long, yeah. and then like some people who actually encounter it in the world, and 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 I really yeah. want to know what. I don't know. I want to have a conversation with them. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Part of it. Um, uh, I hope people- you're gonna love it because your book. Yeah, totally. Your and your book's awesome, and it's gonna be great. And uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, th- there's um, it, it's crazy. Is this your first book? Is this your first novel? Yes, it is. What I call oh, it my novel man. on training wheels. I call it the novel on training wheels because I already had the story, right? I already knew the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had begun as a as a screenplay, so I knew the story. So it was it was a little bit on training wheels in that way. Cause I knew where it was going. I didn't have to figure that part out. Right. Um, I just had to figure out how to tell it. Um, so I, I hope to do it again well, you, from scratch, but yeah, <laughs> that seems a little more daunting. <laughs> oh, well, Hey, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in, in outlining novels. Uh, there's competing schools of thought around that, of course, but Hey, I mean like the, the screenplay, that's just a good, that's a really good detailed outline, you know? Um, and uh, also, you yeah. could have fooled me about this be, uh, about this being your first book. Good grief! Now I'm even now I'm even more envious. Um, that's okay. awesome. And yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I can tell you that um, that feeling of other people reading your books. I'm sure you know from people reading your screenplays. But I, for me, when somebody just tells me they're like, "Oh, Bob, I read your book," I, I feel this incredible like jolt of panic. Like, <laughs> and for some reason, I, I I I always think I'm like. I need to get into my time machine and stop them before it's too late. I mean, seriously, like I feel that kind of panic, but 
uh, <laughs> you know, there's kind of like urgent empathy in going into the past. But um, uh-huh. anyway, I don't know about you, but that's, that's how I always feel. Well, I mean, you, yeah, you're panicked until you find out if they liked it or not. I mean, it's like you're biting your yeah, teeth. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but it, in screenplays, it's like it's not done until it's a movie, and that's a whole different process than, you know, sell mm, things. Right. But then who knows? They may or may not ever happen. And they may right. not happen the way that you want them to, that you concede them or whatever. So it's not your sole baby, you know. Um, right. And when people read it, in the reading stage, they're reading it in a work context. So they have notes and they have this and they have that. They're not reading it just purely because they want to enjoy it and, and experience right. it, you know. Right. So that's a new thing, um, I hope. <laughs> in, in yeah. Person, I, hope that, I, I hope that yeah. happens. Um so, you know, it's a new world. It's a whole new world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, did you, I have, I have quite one more question for you. Please. Yeah, please, please. Did you play sports or video games? Well, obviously, I know video games or both. Great question. I feel, uh, like, I, I feel like there's both in there and you combine them in a really yeah. interesting way. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, obviously, I played some games, uh, although I, 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 uh, I wouldn't count myself a gamer. But as far as sports goes, uh, I played a lot of sports, uh, all, all very badly. Uh, and I describe, <laughs> myself as, uh, I describe myself as a recovering sports fan. Uh, I used to be okay. a total, uh, in particular college football, I was a total junkie. I mean, a maniac. Holy God. And uh, But I... Uh, to watch it and follow it, I, I grew up in, in the South, and if you grow up in the South, you're basically required by law to be a football fan, and I um, right. was a huge, huge Tennessee Volunteers fan, and uh, there's a lot of that in this book, obviously, and uh, I also, my uh, my dad is a very eminent basketball coach, uh, He worked, oh. uh, but but overseas, he, he's a big pro basketball coach over in, in Italy, of all places, and which he's also, it's super, it, it is so weird when people ask him what my my dad does because he's like he's like famous in Italy. Like I'm not kidding. He's right. like John Matt. He's that level of fame. Or Pat Riley. He's like that, that level too, of fame. That is really and, cool and interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and you can obviously see how it informs the Glenn character, um, who was totally. pretty much like I described. Yeah, totally. And like I described this book as me as like my goodbye letter to sports fans because I just had to give it up. Uh-huh. But there's a whole other long story there. But I had to give it up. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, so to answer your question, indubitably, and on both on both accounts. Oh, there's another thing you're grappling with. I see. It's all coming together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's fascinating. Uh, I know that that basketball is like a huge thing in Europe and uh, you know a lot of other countries yeah. that we never hear about. It's that's so interesting. It's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You totally, go to Italy totally. to visit your dad, just on a, a personal. <laughs> you know. I know no, no, that's a, that's a totally normal question. Uh, I haven't yet. I'm the only one of my siblings who who is not to date. Uh, but my uh, my my fiance and I were were hoping we want to do like our honeymoon in you know probably we want to go to Iceland or whatever. Um, but we're uh-huh. hoping to get down to Milan. That's where he lives, just to visit visit him. Like you know, he's he's getting old. I, I you know, and I hadn't seen him in like probably a decade. And I would just you know, I wouldn't. Oh I love him to meet Lauren. I'd love to see him more time. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean the whole. The whole Glenn thing, that, that was another part of that book that was easy to write, just all that crap uh-huh. with him, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, definitely go to Italy. Visit with your dad or whatever, but go, because yeah, yeah. the best. Cool. And you have a good oh, my God. I'll have, to, 
I'll have to hit you up for some uh, for some travel tips. My goodness, yeah. <laughs> I know I haven't been in a little while, but I'm 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 yeah. I have a six year old child, so uh, I'm I haven't traveled internationally since he was born. Um, so I'm dying to go back to Europe. Oh, or back awesome. to, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I love I love that. So yeah, soon, soon yeah. I will go. Um, I had one more question for you, but I know we might be nearing our end time here. Uh, are, you, mm-hmm. are you game to field one more? Sure. Uh, I um, uh, I really admired the the sense of place in your book. Uh, in uh, this neighborhood in in Boston, I I, I uh, assumed you're from around there. It really uh, it really felt real. I also liked your depiction of uh, of, uh, of gentrification. I thought that was really interesting. It was a nice. It was one of those it was a really sophisticated layer to, to the book. Cause like that kind of mm-hmm. sense of place, like I've read lots of good books that don't have a good sense of place just because other things are kind of going on to, you know, to take up for them. But uh, it really like, I could really see and sense and smell this, uh, like this little corner of Boston that you depicted. And I was wondering uh, wh- where you were from and if you based it specifically on where you grew up, mm-hmm. the stuff like that about, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in New Jersey um, and mm. then I went to school, I went to college in Boston and so I know that neighbor. It, it it's a neighborhood that no longer really exists. Um, it's the yeah. neighborhood that I that I saw while I was in college. I actually made a documentary. I, I majored in film as an undergrad, and I made a bunch of little documentaries. And one was about a vocational school in this neighborhood. And it's it's the north end of Boston, which then was half touristy and half um, working class. It was still the little Italy. It was still, you know, all these things, and but it was transitioning, and that was yeah, that was in the you know early nineties. Um, it's now fully gentrified and 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 almost mm. unrecognizable. I mean, it's it's. I was just there over Thanksgiving because I w- I went to go visit some family, and I also took a, I made an Instagram account for Quinn and I, as a little experiment. And I just went and took a ton of pictures of the neighborhood and I'm posting them as him yeah. um, with quotes in the book and stuff. And um, so I got to really look at the neighborhood again. And, and um, it's so touristy. I mean, it's just like little Italian restaurants with the thing and everybody goes there to grab a dinner, but there's really less of a sense of a community there of a real, yeah. Yeah. The people that live there and it's very expensive now. It used to not be. Um, so that the neighborhood that I wrote about is kind of the neighborhood of, you know, when I first knew that area, um, which is right, no right. that way. Um, so in a way it's a sort of, a, a an imaginary, now it's a, an imaginary place in my mind. Um, yeah. but it was, it was, you know, we, when we would go there, it's like all those Italian guys sitting outside the, the social club arguing in Italian and eating a slice of pizza that's a quarter of a pizza slice, you know, for $2 and, and you know, and wow. then the kids in their Catholic school uniforms running around and, the, you know, the, the old ladies with the brooms and, the, I mean, it was that neighborhood. It, was, it really was charming and real and and sadly isn't that now, but, um, but it's still charming. Uh, it's just gentrified, you know. So, yes, I knew wow. that neighborhood and, and 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 did a film in that neighborhood and spent a lot of time there, but it is um, now in my imagination. <laughs> the answer to your question. Uh, uh, great, great answer and beautifully done in the book too. Oh, and I um uh, I 
happened upon that Instagram account for Quinn, and I really, really dug oh, yeah. it. There's a oh good. I, I was gonna say earlier, yeah, oh totally. There's a um, there's a performative quality, especially to not writing in general, but especially to writing first person, because you're you're kind of writing these book length theater monologues in a way, and um, right. I love those kinds of details. Really, really rich, really fun. Really, again, really, really well done. Thank you. And I really, really enjoyed your book as well. So we have a mutual fan club. I'm so glad. Uh, that means so much. Uh, seriously, like, I, I, uh, honest to goodness, I was reading your book and I was like kind of cringing the whole time because I was like, it was that, it's that fear of like getting sand kicked in your face. I was like, oh, this book is so good. Uh, I'm really <laughs> nervous about this podcast. So that, uh, that, that, means, that means a heck of a lot coming from you. I was relieved. I was so relieved reading your book because, you know, when, you know, they're like, oh, do this podcast. And you're like, what if I don't like the book? And then, like, you read the book, I'm like, oh, thank yeah. God, I like it. You know, so. Oh, I know, just what you're, <laughs> I know just what you're talking about. God, I, I remember years ago, a buddy of mine, the same buddy I mentioned earlier, who read one of my, uh, one of my first good novels. Like, I had written a couple by this point, but I was just starting to mm-hmm. stop sucking. And uh, I remember he read it and he was like, oh, Bob, I was. I was relieved that I liked this book because it was a long one, man. Um, anyway. <laughs> That's the thing. A novel is a, long, is a long haul if you don't like it. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. Because even a screenplay or like, I mean, that's just like 90 pages or we have friends who are stand-ups, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, that's like maybe even out, but Jesus. Um, anyway. Uh, it's a commitment. So mutual. mutual is a, it is a commitment, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this mutual fan club, let me tell you. Um, should we are, are we are we nearing the end? Should we talk about our social media stuff or what? What, what do you think? I don't know, Andrew. What do you want? What should we do? Uh, uh, any other any other questions? I um, I mean, I, I could I could talk for hours, but uh, you know, I know we got a the, the rare bird. Our commander's over there. They got they got to crack the whip. No, I know. I'm wondering. I'm, I know he's going to edit it, but I'm wondering if he knows if there's anything else that he would like. From what have we what have we forgotten? Where what have we forgotten to touch on? He's Let's gone. see. We mentioned. Uh, oh, he's he's out of here. I hope. Uh, oh man, I hope hope they're not being attacked over there. Um, okay, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> they've probably been kidnapped by aliens. It's the likeliest scenario. Um, it's probable. So, it's probable. It's probable. So Sorry, you got you, kidnapped by aliens, Robert. What what are you what are you doing since you're you're a few steps ahead of me in the in the book release uh, process like what's your how are you telling people about it how are you getting it out there what's your social media as one must do in it sure. these days sure sure I am um, uh, I uh, hit up a a whole, whole bunch of blogs um, I'm working on uh, uh, I'm also working on my well the next project that I've got going on my my debut novel is called uh it's called the odds it uh is getting adapted into an audio drama um oh cool which is pretty cool yeah yeah we've been, uh, we've been working on the scripts for that this, this writing team that i'm working with for for almost the past year now and we're about to start casting so that's exciting and um yeah uh but yeah totally it's really really cool um and the uh, my, my social media is robert j peterson uh p-e-p-e-r-s-o-n uh, and then at California Cold Blood, California Cold Blood Books, you can find me there. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, Omega Ball, it's still out. It's been out for a while and uh, doing doing okay. Uh, and how about you? Congrats. Um, uh, well, I just, uh, for the very first time ever, uh, put up a website for my mm. work and stuff, which is just jamiemayer.com. 
and that has all my social links on and stuff on it. And it's a very weird feeling. I don't know. I guess I'm not used to having a my mug out on the web or I don't know. It just feels very like exposing or something. Like here's my resume and here's what I do. Um, feels strange. <laughs> Um, so, but I just put it, I literally put it up last week, so it's, it's up and has a link to all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how to, how to get the word out with the help of Rare Bird and, um, you know, just have people know about it. Uh, trying to do the blog thing, trying to do the, the social media as one does. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm making it up as I, making it up as I go. I'm telling you. Uh, same here. Same here. Um. Well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually in front of my, I'm at my workstation, so I'm looking at your website right now. It's super cool. Oh God. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, again, there's that urgent empathy into the past. Like I can build a time machine. <laughs> then I'm like, ah, don't do it. Place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. No, this is great, and uh, I need to check out your your directing and stuff. It's really, really, really just awesome and impressive. My goodness, I uh, just so so. Well, happy. I did it. I if you I know you're like a web guy, so if you have any pointers, let me know. <laughs> Oh, I have zero notes. It looks great. Um, okay, I'm also, I, just, <laughs> uh, I just followed you on Instagram, so look out. Your Instagram's okay. great. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, oh, good, yeah. You know, like in the um, aisle, this feeling under being relieved that you like someone's book is just uh, being relieved to see pictures from the Women's March on someone's Instagram, where you're like, oh, thank goodness, this person's <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, oh well, let's let's uh, not go there. Let's not go there. Yeah, tell, tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> so so many odd odd things that I've discovered about friends through the whole election process has just been strange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very well okay. said, and that is a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are we are um, kindred kindred spirits. I think on that. Yeah. And, uh, all right. That's all. That's all I've got. I think. I think we've kind of covered the territory, don't you think? Yeah, totally. It was, uh, it was a very productive, uh, very productive podcast, and also just uh, just a pleasure uh, meeting and talking with you. Really, really cool. As well, as well too. I look forward to telling telling people about your book as well, um, which I will I will right. faithfully do because I think it's really fun. Uh, thank you, and I will do the same. <laughs>